So Iran, their Supreme Court ruled last week that a woman who blinded another woman in an acid attack would receive a literal eye for an eye punishment for the crime. So one woman blinds another woman by attacking her with acid. And it says that she will receive a literal eye for an eye punishment for her crime. Whoop. Two years earlier, the unnamed woman had thrown acid into the face of a young woman named Seema. The attack left her victim blind. Now, under the Sharia legal principle of ISA, I can't pronounce that, it's called, it it's actually literally means retaliation in kind, the condemned will receive the same treatment as her victim. Okay, the condemned person will receive the same treatment as her victim. So, question for you this morning, how does the eye for an eye retribution satisfy or fail to satisfy you as a victim? Just consider that. Consider that you are the young woman who's been blinded in this attack. Somebody else throws acid in your face. It takes your sight from you and now the uh, one who has been accused and considered guilty will receive the same that you received. How does that satisfy or fail to satisfy you as a victim? Two wrongs don't make it right. Okay, two wrongs don't make it right. So you still don't completely feel satisfied. Well, I would feel like I was equally as bad of a person. Uh, for make for causing that to right. oh so it would actually heap on your emotional right. turmoil from that interesting huh that's why I ask. Well, that's what when the kids were little, if a kid did something and they come, mm -hmm. I said, well, what do you plan to do about it? And then tell me, go, well, is that going to make it right? Yeah. Because you're going to be just like them. <clears throat> okay, so it actually heaps on what we're getting. Teaching you forgiveness. Okay. So you're saying, is it teaching you forgiveness? Okay. So you're saying probably not by asking that. Oh, it is teaching you forgiveness. Okay. The eye for an eye. Okay. What else? Does it satisfy? Fail to satisfy? Yes, no, why not? I feel like there's no reparation, you know I mean? It's not like I'd rather have money or something than their eyes to be taken away. Okay. That's the point of that. Okay. Anybody else? Let me ask you a second question. Is this type of punishment archaic, barbaric? Are we civilized beyond this treatment? Why or why not? Like th this is not unique to Iran in this situation. This goes back to the Old Testament and beyond. This concept of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's been going on for forever. Um, do we perceive ourselves to have outgrown this? Is this an archaic way of thinking and operating? Yes, no, why not? Still do. Basically, the death sentence or even prison, I mean, it's like take something away for the evil way. Okay. But we don't cut the hands off of thieves in America, anyways. I mean, there are cultures that still function like that. You steal something from me, buddy, we're going to cut your hands off so you don't steal again. Um, we put you in prison. We believe that that's equal to 
in some form or fashion. So do we think that our prison concept is more civilized, outgrown this former way of thinking? Chad's thinking, it's like, man, he's stirring right now. I got something to say. <laughs> you know, our family is literally looking at someone in our family getting the death penalty. Okay, yeah. For murdering two yeah. people. And you, you look at things a little bit differently, especially mom and dad mm. change their views when it's their son. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe if it's personal, you might change the way you look at things. It's interesting that the death sentence is really the only place that we still function like this in our current in our culture. It's like life for life. We don't take eye for eye, but we do take life for life sometimes. It's interesting that that's the only place that we still function. Like Chase accident, it was extremely healing to me to talk to the man that hit him, mm-hmm. and he called me every day. Yeah. And I would tell him I'd pray for him too because yeah. he's 86 and he's got to live with what he did too. Yeah. You know, and so. Yeah. So here's let me let me steer your thinking a little bit. I know a couple who um, like some real life soap opera stuff, right? So this couple that I know, uh, she came home from being away, found that her husband had been with another woman in her house, okay? Comes home, figures this out, realizes this. This comes to her attention. There's no doubt the emotions uh, and the thoughts from anger, embarrassment, shame, everything under the sun would have rushed through her at this moment. Um, And you know that she perceived her husband was destroying her Destroying her reputation. So think about this. In this moment, um, destroyed reputation. So these are the things that would have been perceived by her. um, Causing shame upon her. I think I had one more. Uh, In front of the whole town and... um, Actually, in this, Sterling stolen her home or place of rest because she could no longer go home to the place where this had been done against her. Um, so what did she do, right? So what was her response to this? It was um, create a viral conversation on social media to satisfy her wrath. That's what she did. She stirred the pot on social media and gathered everybody that wanted to take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So what did they do? They destroyed his reputation because he destroyed hers. They caused him shame because he caused her shame. And they stole his home and his place of rest because he did the same to her. So pretty much they functioned in an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Same thing, right? He caused this to me, so I will cause this for him. So I think we like to think of ourselves as outgrown this manner of punishment or retribution, but I really don't think we have. I think we still function like that. We just do it in a slightly different manner, right? Um, As Jesus teaches us 
how to pray, he teaches us a different pattern of life. I left my Bible. <laughs> Will you find my Bible in my backpack over there? Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13 is... The Lord's Prayer, we've looked at it every week for the last month. And uh, I'm going to read it to you off my notes while Derek sees if I actually brought my Bible to church this morning. That's bad when the pastor doesn't bring his Bible to church. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So here we go. Here's where we're at this morning. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then after the prayer, Jesus adds this statement. For if you forgive others their offenses... Your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. If you forgive others their offense, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. I think it's ironic how well known the Lord's Prayer is. And how um, that following statement goes mostly ignored. I just think that's ironic. It's like, whether you came to church as a kid or not, you've probably heard, to some extent, the Lord's Prayer. But you may have never heard the sentence that follows after. Right? I just think it's ironic. Um, So here's the question for you. What questions arise out of this statement, right? What questions arrive out of verse 14? If you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your offense. What questions arise out of this lesser known statement? Just what's the questions that I... What exactly does it mean to forgive? What the... (laughs) <laughs> All right, what does forgiveness mean exactly? <laughs> That's a question mark, not a period. Sorry, people. <clears throat> so I had a, I was at a church one time and one of our deacons, so like I walked into this ministry situation that was pretty dire, and um, one of my two deacons... I remember sitting face to face. He said, I forgave that person, but I don't want them to come anywhere near me. I'm like, we got different definitions of forgiveness. We're functioning on different, like, you can forgive them, but they're not allowed anywhere in your life. What exactly does Jesus mean by forgiveness? What other questions pop out of this? Okay. Is it all or nothing? <laughs> Can I forgive 60%? <laughs> right? Can I? Can I? You've heard me say, I forgive you, but I will not forgive him, but not forgive 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? One of the questions that always came to mind, so like, uh, can I be saved from my sin if holding unforgiveness? Like if I have a grudge against somebody, am I still guilty of all my sin? Like is, is Jesus death and resurrection that takes away the sins of the world can it be applied to me if I'm still holding grudges of unforgiveness towards others because it says if you do not forgive others your father will not forgive your offenses so I'm like hmm that's what comes to mind my last question is this that I had on mine who are the others? Right? If we can define forgiveness, can we define others too? Surely not all others, right? Surely there's a place and a people where I can justify my bitterness, right? So when something uh, when something's important to you and you want it to be clear, a couple things may happen. You may repeat it multiple times. Uh, and that's what Jesus does here. Like, this is not the only place that he said it. When you read something in the scripture and it's like the only place that it was said, you're like, ah, I don't, that's kind of obscure and I don't really know what that means. But Jesus didn't want to let it be obscure, so he kind of says the same thing in multiple places, multiple times, so that maybe it's less obscure and we can get a little more context and a little more clarity. And in Mark chapter 11, verses 23 through 25, he says this, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So he's talking about prayer. You can pray for big things and it'll be done. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Oh, that gum, here he goes again. And if you have anything against anyone so that your father will also, who is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. So he's like, when you pray, pray big, pray with faith. Pray with boldness. It's going to be done. You don't have to worry about it. You can pray believing that it's already going to be done. But when you pray, if you're aware that you hold something against somebody, you need to go and offer them forgiveness so that your prayers may be heard and answered. So that you may receive forgiveness. And it's through the forgiveness of Jesus that we approach the throne of God boldly, as Hebrews tells us. But if we're not forgiven through Jesus, if we've not been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, if, if the sacrifice of the, the spotless lamb is what the Bible calls Jesus, if we don't have faith in that, if it hasn't been applied to us, then we're not able to boldly go to the throne of God. And that's what... Jesus is talking about here. He's like, through me, you can go, and you can go by faith, and it's going to be answered. But like, if you're bitter against 
this other person because of unforgiveness, um, your Father in heaven can't forgive you your trespasses. It's like, man, this is frustrating to read and difficult because it does pose a lot of questions. So here's point number one. Let's make a little clarity out of it. Forgiveness is a sign of repentance. That's what that says. Whether or not that's what it says, that's what it means. Forgiveness is a sign of repentance. Okay? Forgiveness is a sign of repentance. Uh, We've discussed multiple times over the last number of weeks that the Lord's Prayer is an abbreviated version of a Jewish prayer called the Amidah. Right? And it's 2,500 years old now. It's been around 500 years before Jesus was around. Jews prayed the Amidah, or the standing prayer. It was a combination of 18 prayers put together, and they do it three times a day at 9, 12, and 3. Every day they stop what they're doing, they face Jerusalem, and they recite these 18 prayers as they face towards Jerusalem. All over the world this happens and still continues to happen. Okay? And Jesus consolidates it into a smaller, more compact form, and he gives us the Lord's Prayer. So the Amidah contains a fuller picture of what Jesus is teaching us to pray when he says pray for forgiveness. Thank goodness that it's not left of that, but there's a bigger picture if we back up. Number one, the Amidah teaches us to pray for this. And it's actually on your page that I gave you earlier. Pray for understanding. Need to pray for understanding. This is one of the prayers included in the Amidah. It teaches, he says, teach us mortals. This is you praying to your Father in heaven. Teach us, we are mortals, teach us your understanding. Teach us understanding. Favor us with knowledge, understanding, and discernment. You, O gracious giver of knowledge. So part of what Jesus is teaching is, Look to your heavenly Father and ask for understanding. Ask for discernment. Ask to see things as He sees things. And the second thing that follows the understanding is repentance. Okay? So He says, pray for understanding and then pray for repentance. The prayer for repentance is where to cause us to return to your law. Draw us near, bring us back, you who delight in repentance. So repentance literally means to change your mind. I thought about it this way, and now I have understanding from my Father in heaven, so now I think about it His way. So I once thought this way, but now that I understand, I think this way. And when you understand, not only does your mind change, but your direction in life changes. That's repentance. It's like... I once thought this was right, so therefore I went this way. But now I know that he has given me understanding, so I'm going to go this way instead. And that's repentance. That's literally what it means. So repentance is based off of a new understanding. You just got through praying for understanding. Now you're praying for repentance based upon that understanding. Cause us to return to your law instead of turning to what I was turning to before. And then the following prayer is forgiveness. Okay. Pray for understanding, repentance, and now forgiveness. Forgive us, for we have sinned. 
Pardon us, you who are merciful and always ready to forgive. How can you be forgiven by your heavenly Father? Through repentance. Right? Through I, Anybody else like guilty of this? When I was growing up, I would go to bed every night praying for forgiveness of the same thing over and over and over and over. Like I remember laying in bed as a teenager, God, Father, forgive me of this. I know I asked you to forgive me of that yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. I know, and I feel kind of stupid coming to you again, but I, I'm, I'm still doing that. I'm still going that direction, so I'm still asking for forgiveness. What was my problem? There was no repentance. There was no rep- it was obvious that I didn't have new understanding, a new way of thinking, because I still thought the same way. How do I know I still thought the same way? I still did the same thing. But forgiveness comes by repentance, not simply asking for forgiveness. Repentance is like, now I see. So now that I see, I'm not going to beat my head against the same brick wall. I'm going to turn and I'm going to go this way. And that's what understanding leads to repentance and repentance leads to forgiveness. Right? And forgiveness is a sign of repentance. So, our boys share a room. They're six and eight, um, which is fun sometimes. Sometimes. We tuck them in, and then, like, WWE kicks in, and they're flying off the top ropes every night. Um, The other night, I tucked them in bed after reading the Bible with them. it was actually interesting. Me and Chad were talking about storybook Bibles. I was like, man, we read storybook Bibles all the time. I'm going to open the real Bible. So I opened the real Bible with them. Me and Brant went through all the books of the Bible. We had a really cool moment. We were actually studying the scriptures together, and, and it was like this really good father-son thing. And I tucked them in bed after that. And then I left the room, which was calm and quiet. Moments later, all hell broke loose as Justice walked out of the room, red-faced, saying, Brant just threw the Bible at my face. He hit me in the face with the Bible that you were just teaching him from. I don't know what happened after I left, but it went south really quick. Justice was attacking Brant for throwing the Bible and hitting him in the face. So let me ask you this question. What is our motivation for retaliation? Like, Justice... Whether he deserved it or not, I don't know. Had been hit in the face with the Bible and he retaliated. What is our motivation for retaliation? Hurt. It's hurt. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Jesus' summary reveals what we know to be true. And it is this. Hurt people hurt People. Forgiven people forgive people. That's what Jesus was telling us. Hurt people hurt people. But forgiven people forgive people. <coughs> forgive others so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. Forgiveness is a sign of forgiveness. If you're unwilling to forgive, you're not walking in forgiveness. 
And that's the way it functions. Hurt people hurt people, and forgiven people forgive people. Lastly, I think Jesus would have us ask ourselves this following question. What if I was equally offended by the sins I commit against myself as I was for the sins others commit against me? Let me ask that again. What if I was equally offended for the sins I commit against myself as I was for the ones others commit against me? So in Mark 9, Jesus says this, If your hand causes you to fall away, then do what? Cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to fall away, you should cut it off, for it's better to enter life lame than to have two feet and thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, then gouge it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. What if we were as offended by our sins that we commit against ourselves as I was the sins that others commit against me? We're quick to blow up for those who offend us, but do we hold ourselves to the same standard? When our choices are hurting ourselves, when our actions are offensive to God, when we view, um, when what we look at births sin in our heart, will we go eye for eye with ourselves? Right, we're quick to take somebody else, but are we willing to do the same for ourselves? It's just an interesting thing that I think, I think the fullness of Jesus' teaching is revealing to us. If, if Fred hurts me, I'll hurt you to get my retribution. But if I hurt myself by the sins I commit, am I willing to have the same retribution to eliminate that from my life so that it will not continue to hurt me. Praying for forgiveness demands understanding from God concerning what He sees. If I'm going to pray for forgiveness, I need to also have understanding. Say, like, God, give me understanding to see as you see. And if I see as you see, and then I realize that I'm hurting myself by sinning against myself, <clears throat> now I'll pray for repentance, because forgiveness demands repentance from us. I'm going to see as you see, and I'm going to turn back to your design and your instruction that you've given me. You're like... Oh, I'm living and in, in, I'm designing my own life. I'm, I'm creating a vision for my own life and actually it's destroying myself and I've, I have new understanding that God has a vision, God has a design and He's revealed it through Jesus and I'm going to quit pursuing my own design and I'm going to pursue His. I'm going to change these choices to align with His. And that's what we do when we realize we're hurting ourselves. We cut off the things in our life that are destroying us. Let's consider an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in our own life, in our own self, in our own identity. 
And finally, forgiveness demands confession. Father, I agree with, with you who are merciful and always ready to forgive. That's the way the Amidah phrases it. And John says, if we are willing to confess our sins, he is willing and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How does he do that? Well, the price has already been paid by his son. Our Heavenly Father is a just judge who is good. And if you just say, I'm not going to do that anymore, it still demands to be satisfied. The wrath of God still demands to be satisfied. And instead of satisfying it by punishing you, He laid all His wrath upon His Son so that when you come to understanding and you approach Him with that understanding, you say, I agree with you that this was sin against myself and against you. Please forgive me as I turn. The price for that sin has already been paid upon His Son so that He can forgive you. What if I was equally offended by the sins I commit against myself as those that others commit against me? I think we still function with an eye for an eye when it comes to others. It just doesn't look as harsh as it once did or as it does in other places in the world. And I think we're a lot more lenient on ourselves than we are with others. And I don't know that we should be. I don't know that we should be. Now what does this mean? This does not mean that we go and we beat ourselves up, call ourselves a failure, and demoralize ourselves. This means that we go into the presence of God and we freely receive His mercy so that we may be cleansed, healed, and set free. Not to go beat ourselves up, not to go demoralize ourselves, not to hold ourselves guilty and shameful. That's not what He's done for us. But He who is full of mercy gives you grace so that you may be free. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter into a time of prayer. And in that, one of the things that we've identified over uh, over the last conversation that we had at our house, sometimes it's hard to pray because... We just don't know what to pray for. And sometimes having a little bit of structure goes a long ways. Um, so we have four sections to this prayer that we're going to enter into. We're going to give you sufficient amount of time. We're going to take our time here. And it's in an acronym that says, Teach Us to Pray. So P-R-A-Y. P stands for praise. Open our prayers with praise. And in fact, Jesus taught us to do the same thing. Next, we go to repentance. What do we need to confess? What do we need to agree with before God? Then he opens this up to a time of asking. And then finally, a time of yielding. Just quiet before God, seeing what he would want to say to you. Listening to see if he would speak. So We're going to enter into this time we've left space on here if you're a journaler or writer i found that it encourages me and it helps a lot when i'm praying to actually write those prayers out so we've left you space to do so in that as well